Hello and welcome to the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club. I'm your host, VM Campos. This is the podcast where I review a comic book new or old from my collection and rate it on the factors of the cover art, interior art, plot, and enjoyability of the book on a scale of 1 to 5. And then I tell you to get it or shred it. This week I'm reviewing Lady Rawhide, Other People's Blood, number 1, published in 1996 by Topps Comics. For the video version of the podcast, head on over to youtube.com slash vmcampos. And if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash vmcampos. Now on with the show. Well, first of all, a little bit of background information before we get to the main review. Let's browse the book a little bit as we talk. So Topps Comics was a comic book publisher that got into the game in the 90s, um, right at the time when the comics crash was coming. So if you know your history of comic books... The early 90s was a boom time in the speculator market and so forth, with comics selling millions of copies. Spider-Man number one, X-Men number one, X-Force number one, The Death of Superman, The Breaking of the Bat. All of those books sold millions of copies, but it wasn't sustainable. There came a reckoning, and by the mid-90s, the comics industry was dying Great time to then launch a publishing imprint, Topps Comics. Topps had been around for decades publishing sports cards and the like. And they thought, hey, let's get into this booming business of comic books. They weren't around very long, and they published a variety of books, mostly licensed books. From movies, Bram Stoker's Dracula Number 1, the Francis Ford Coppola movie. That was their first comic with amazing Mike Mignola art. They had the license to public Jurassic Park comics and X-Files comics and Zorro comics. They really hitched their wagon on Zorro comics. There was Zorro versus Dracula and the like. Well, the big breakout star of the Zorro comics was Lady Rawhide. Perfectly capitalizing on the bad girls craze of the 90s, those style of comics featuring buxom ladies kicking butt while looking good doing it. And what's more believable than a swashbuckling lady in the 1800s? Nothing. Not even that outfit. And so here's the latest Lady Rawhide series, miniseries, Other People's Blood. And that's the book we'll talk about today. So first of all, cover art. This is an amazing cover by Julie Bell, renowned fantasy artist who has created some spectacular artwork throughout the decades. She focuses on strong women, fantasy scenes and the like, painted artwork. She's amazing. She's also married to some guy named Boris Vallejo. He's pretty good too. But here we have the depiction of Lady Rawhide and Scarlet Fever, and they're on a boat. Now, Rawhide doesn't look so happy that she is being bested by... Scarlet Fever over here. Or maybe they're enemies for various other reasons. Anyway, this is an amazing cover. It's just utterly beautiful. Let's get a close-up of it because Julie Bell's artwork is some of the most epic of all time. And I love when artists create realistic depictions of these fantasy characters, like this outfit is outstanding, as well as Lady Rawhide's. And then to kind of see a realistic version is pretty cool. And the two women are rendered perfectly. So obviously this cover is a 5 out of 5. I have never seen a bad work of art from Julie Bell. Interior art. I wish it was all Julie Bell cover to cover, but nope, we've got Esteban Maroto. Credited as artist, which which I would assume is pencils and inks. Digital Chameleon is doing separations. 
which at that time we were calling coloring, I guess, or computer coloring, and then Kenny Lopez's letterer. So interior art is pretty cool, pretty fun. There's a variety of panel layouts, which can be very interesting. For example, what the very first page that we see here is a very provocative Lady Rawhide pose, then close-up of some eyes, really giving you a sense of the four characters that are going to be in the next few pages, and then another scene. So basically, everyone's on a ship sailing around the coast of California and Mexico. Some two scurvy dogs who are going to attack Carmelita Rodriguez. Lady Rawhide is not having any of that. But then we turn over here and we have this beautiful night scene, wonderful purple tones, very well rendered boat. We have some flashbacks and the like. Something about vampirism and Zorro and yes, Dracula. So yeah, Zorro met Dracula in the 1800s on a previous issue. And uh, you kind of know what's going on here, why she's so morose. Anyway, she's distracted and then the bad guys come, but the Lady Rawhide is there to save the day. <laughs> that guy's not having a good time. So overall, I think the art is very good. It does have some remnants of like that 90s style that can be awkward a couple times here and there. Like I think this could be a little bit more of an elegant bit of lines over here. And there's a couple places where the shadows and such look a little odd. We have either these digital shadows at some point, no shadow detail at all. It kind of goes back and forth with that. That's a little distracting where there's computer generated shadows here and there and then nothing in other places. I think it'd be better to be consistent with no shadows always or CG shadows always. And I'm trying to find it over here, but there was a place where the shadow right here. Look at the shadow detail right here. That is extremely weird. I don't know what's going on with that shadow, but that's a really jagged shadow, a really hard edge shadow. And it doesn't even make sense. How are you going to make a shadow jagged like that? There's no shadows over here and over here. And then a page later, okay, there's some good shadows over here and even here too. So I'm not sure what happened with that shadow over there. Is a Digital Chameleon to blame or Maroto? But anyway, there's a variety of panel layouts. Anatomy is good. Staging is good. Expressions and such. So I'll give this a four and a half out of five. I really wish Julie Bell did the whole book. <laughs> but then it would be a $50 book. Is a cool shot here. This is a great uh, bit of original art perhaps to have. Just the depiction of Scarlet Fever and then some action poses. So because of the creativity of the visuals, I'll give the art a four and a half out of five. Plot, all right, so we've got Don McGregor, who was a big name in Topps Comics, creating Lady Rawhide or co-creating Lady Rawhide plus other characters working on the Zorro mainline books. He was a big name in this comic publisher. So kudos to him for just having a lot of that control in, in the comics he worked with. If we look at the credits over here, Lady Rawhide created by Don McGregor and Mike Mayhew, Scarlet Fever created by Don McGregor and Esteban Maroto, Carmelita Rodriguez created by Don McGregor and Tom Yates, Zorro created by Don McGregor, just kidding, Zorro created by Johnston McCulley, and Dracula created by Bram Stoker. So lots of created by credits by Don McGregor there, so he's obviously rolling in the royalties nowadays. And the cast of characters we have for this particular story are Lady Rawhide, also known as Anita Santiago. She first appeared in Zorro number three. Get a copy of that. Via a misunderstanding, she battles Zorro as well as the main bad guy, Captain Monasterio. 
All because to get revenge on her brother, Ramon Santiago, who was injured by the captain. He appeared in issue two. And then Carmelita Rodriguez appeared in Dracula vs. Zorro. Interesting that there's no credit over here to Scarlet Fever. Now, at the moment, I'm not sure if this is the first appearance of Scarlet Fever or not. I might put a credit up on the screen or not if I got lazy. But there's no credit over here on Scarlet Fever, just that who it's created by. Anyway, so other people's blood. Oh, one more thing. We've also got a volume two, number one here. And I noticed that the barcode is is marked here as a uh, 00611. The barcode is usually read on the first three digits is the issue number. The next digit is the variant cover and the final digit is what printing. So this is a first printing regular cover, but it's 006. So did this follow from the original Lady Rawhide, which ended on issue five and now we've got issue number six, but this is a number one, but this is marked as a six and we've also got a volume two. So that's kind of wacky. Anyway, so the story. All right, so if you had never read a Lady Rawhide book before, you get plenty of backstory in this sort of extraneous matter. But then we get uh, flashbacks and the like within the story itself. Why is Carmelita so tor tormented after a run-in with Dracula? We have Scarlet Fever lurking in the shadows, Lady Rawhide doing adventures, and then winding down and such later on. There's a chance meeting between the two for a moment. Two seconds is too long. An eternity. Figures are gone. Then we've got a little bit of gratuitous 90s stuff over here. Spoiler alert, Lady Rawhide is not actually a redhead. She simply dyes her hair, but I doubt she'd be that much of a redhead if she first doesn't go blonde before applying the dye. But anyway, that's a nitpick. There's some stuff going on there, getting undressed in front of your brother. Don't worry, he's blind, so he'll be okay. The language doesn't really feel like 1800s. I wish it did a little bit more. Not that I want them talking with these and thous and so forth, but it just doesn't quite feel like early New Mexico style speech uh, in the little town of Los Angeles. I think the narration kind of fits a little bit better than the speech of the actual characters to kind of get a sense of the time and place. There's a little bit of confusion in when there's a narrator talking, but then also inner monologue of the various characters. So that gets a little jumbled a little confused here and there and in a sense it, it kind of feels that this first issue says a lot but not very much we have all of this backstory but actually what really really happens if you strip it all away two guys were going to hurt one of the characters another one stops it all there's some lurking in the background and nothing quite really happens just a lot of exposition and coupled with the art and so forth so i think this first issue's story is kind of weak i'll give it a 3.75 out of five i guess that's what you need when you have to tie everything together because in the letters column it talks about how there has not been any lady rawhide books in quite a while pause it and read these things yourself but there hasn't been Lady Death in a while. But there hasn't... Did I just make the mistake and say Lady Death? Well, there were more than one lady in the 90s. Lady Rawhide. Um, there hadn't been any Lady Rawhide books in the um, published in a little while. So I guess you have to kind of put a lot of exposition in the book. And speaking of mispronouncing, over here someone else also says, Yes, I love Lady Death. And then the creators are like, Hey, we're not Lady Death. So whoops, I, I did it myself as well. 
So I'll give the plot 3.75 out of 5. As for enjoyability of the book, well, the cover is amazing. That brings it up a point, definitely. The interior artwork is overall pretty good. Interesting panel layout and the like. The world building that we're getting in this time period is pretty fun. The plot, like I said, is okay. The world building's a little bit better. The purple prose, you can take it or leave it if you want. And so the main factors of the story itself overall are pretty enjoyable. But what I always really like about reading individual comics is all of the back matter and extra stuff. Like, hey, how about get some of these X-Files comics? X-Files was the biggest seller for Tops, and this is the series that lasted the longest, where everything else, while the comics industry was imploding, everything else got cancelled, even Lady Rawhide, but the X-Files just made it all the way to the end of the line, the end of the 90s. They, they had the... Tops had the license to Mars Attacks, so we have various Mars Attacks comics here, including the movie adaptation, as well as original stories. We have uh, lots of ads on cards, because after all, Tops was about cards for a long time, but now we got to get into the 90s with 3D cards, licensed cards. Shadows of the Empire was big at that time. We didn't have any new Star Wars movies, but we had Shadows of the Empire, that amazing multimedia effort of comics, cards, video games, and everything. Novels and everything. We had the Hildebrandts doing those cards. Hey, there's Dash Rendar. Who? Never mind. The Whipping Post is the uh, letters column. Pause it, read it there. People are talking about the previous series. A preview of the next issue that is going to be so risque that the editor didn't want them to publish it, which is Jim Salakrup, who worked over at Marvel for a long time. So it's interesting behind-the-scenes stuff there. And then this amazing Simon Bisley. Is it Bisley or Bisley? Uh, tell me in the comments. This amazing Biz artwork. Mars Attacks versus Baseball. So for all of that back matter and the main contents of the book, I'll give the enjoyability a 4 out of 5. And now, should you get it or shred it? Well, I'm going to have to say shred it. If we judge this only by this book, which just kind of spins its wheels and goes nowhere, I would say shred it. But if you're going to then be on board for the whole series of how does Scarlet Fever battle Lady Rawhide, get it. If you want amazing covers, Julie Bell and others do amazing covers, get it. If for pretty good Esteban Maroto interior art you're looking for, get it. But what's really bringing it down is that it's a uh, single issue that kind of really, really doesn't go anywhere. So maybe in that respect, shred it. And that was my review of Lady Rawhide number one, published in 1996 by Topps Comics. What did you think about this all-new First Collector's Item issue? Do you think Scarlet Fever is a good counterpoint to Lady Rawhide? And how will the long reach of Dracula fit into the story? Did you enjoy the art and the plot? Tell me in the comments. Were you reading any Lady Rawhide or Zorro or Topps comics back in the 90s? Tell me in the comments. Are you as much of a fan of Julie Bell as I am? Tell me in the comments. What did you think about the bad girls craze of the 90s? Should I do more such videos? Give me some suggestions in the comments. And if you enjoyed the video, consider going to the Patreon, patreon.com slash vmcompos, and pledging for $3.33 a month. Your contribution will help keep the channel going, keep it funded, and you'll be a part of it. Plus, you'll get early access to the content. All for $3.33 a month. What a deal. 
But if you can't quite pledge at the moment, no worries. Simply like, comment, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff. I would really appreciate it. And so this has been the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club, and I'll see you next week.